pound per 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 pound per per pound. Six ninety nine per pound. Pound. Hey yo, it's six ninety nine per pound. Podcast, podcast. We're live. Yo, <laughs> we here again. Yo, yo, yo. back at it again. Episode six ninety nine per pound live is J Key. As always, you know I'm over here representing the greatness of Portuguese. Uh, J Key, and I'm here with JoJo and Michael. Uh, we kicked off our live series last week. To very positive fanfare and we won't stop because we can't stop we're back at it again to deliver another round of righteous content for yes, y'all yes. you know what i mean for those that don't know 6.99 per pound pays homage to hot food delis in new york city where they serve a wide variety of dishes some of them using sesame oil you know what i mean so our goal is to serve you hot takes on career culture community from a very diverse set of perspectives so again, shout out to the viewers that's tuning in right now. Let's see how many people are tuning in right now. We have about 11 people tuning oh, in. Hey. So shout out to y'all yes. for tuning in. Let's get the numbers up to 20 maybe. You know oh. what I mean? But uh, sh- having some Ooh. audio problems. Technical, technical difficulties. Am I not being heard? Oh, Am no. I not being heard on the Twitch side? Hey, hey, hey. Tell hey, him hey. Wally said what up. Be Leaf Burgers. B Leaf Burgers, what's up, yo? What's going on, B Leaf Burger? What's going on? What's, what's cracking? Okay, okay, we're good. Jake, we're back, back at it we're again. Back. We're back. We're back. Thank okay, you, Michael. I, I, I could hear Winston as well. All right. So okay. again, shout out to the viewers that's tuning in right now. Um, let's try to get the numbers up. Like I said, a lot of y'all started hitting up restaurants, bars, and I know, I know, it's New York City, across the country. I know a lot of these establishments are open, but it's Monday. I hope you guys are still quarantining mm-hmm. to some degree, you know what I mean? And tune into $6.99 per pound. Yep, yep. So, and, um, yeah, so, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. And, uh, and as always, just remember to keep dropping your comments in the uh, chat, right? That's that's why we're on Twitch, so we can engage with y'all. Um, you can also subscribe for free if you have an Amazon Prime account. Amazon Prime gives you one free Twitch subscription. So make sure you give us that subscription and give us that Jeff Bezos money. We always want that. Also, if you're watching this and you want to create a short 30-second clip, you can do that. There's a small clapperboard on the bottom right of of, uh, your viewing screen. Um, There you can just create a clip, whatever we say, if you think something is righteous or something like that. So let me know. Yo, okay. Don't... Okay. Um, (laughs) Oh! He got the Palo Santo. I got some too. Okay. No, there's a Palo yeah. Santo, man. Relax, okay. relax. Okay. Yeah, like, nah, but with that said, but with that said, though, um, let's kick things off and see where we are in the world. Um, I know the Netflix consumption rate has gone up drastically during this quarantine. There's like a new show that is popping up every other day. Mm-hmm. JoJo. I know, I know you do love to watch a lot of these shows, interesting shows. I mean, you kind of recommended some uh, uh, left field suggestions. I did. Um, and I it know that you've been watching Indian matchmaking. Tell us a little bit about that. What's that about? So Indian Why matchmaking. Why is it controversial? Well, before we get into that, um, just so we are on the same page, everyone remember the drinking game proposal we did last week? Anytime yes. Jakey says, Utugi, we're going to cheers. So mm. all of you guys better participate. Shout out to it's going to happen. Oh, 
there you go. There you go again. <laughs> Good job, Michael. He has this fancy dragon fruit cocktail. Um, uh, back to yeah. Indian matchmaking. So it's mm. pretty self-explanatory. Do you, have you guys heard of it? Do you guys, have you guys watched an episode before I get into I have, it? I mean, I have watched a couple. It's it's like in my suggested, you know what I yeah. mean? But I didn't I didn't watch a single episode yet. Okay. okay. So the main character of this reality series is this woman named Seema, and she is a professional matchmaker. And she flies like all over from Mumbai to Texas to Jersey to Delhi. And she con- she has this whole database of um, uh, what she calls biodata of these people, these prospective, you know, groomsmen or brides, right? And in India, this is very commonplace. Like, though you arrange marriages, it's not a thing. It's either marriage, default arranged marriage, or a love marriage. So um, this, what is this show is all about, what it takes to match somebody. So you go and meet these characters, and you see what their preferences are. She has, like, astrologists. She has face readers. Like, they're very... Um, uh, I don't want to say superstitious, but in a way, you know, they kind of believe a lot of these destinies are predetermined. And I'm sure Koreans can relate because I, I know every auntie or mom has walked into a fortune teller shop and had their mm-hmm. fortune read. Um, so this is what it's all about. So when I first saw this, my best friend is Indian. Shout out to Divya Bajaj. And um, she was in a love marriage and, you know, she, but her parents were in an arranged marriage. And I remember her always feeling like, you know, I feel like some kids like judge me because my parents are arranged, but they were really, truly healthy, happy family. And mm. she's known so many families who are arranged that are really happy and some of the healthiest nuclear families I've ever met. So my first instinct was like, this is great. They're like debunking the stereotype that, you know, arranged marriages are bad and like there are obviously so many definitions of what a healthy marriage is. But then as I started watching it and hearing from other people, um, there are people who thought it was very controversial because it does bring up a lot of, um, you know, sexism and ageism in Indian culture and also castes as well. Because some of the questions that she might ask, right, for example, for us, it's like, oh, you know, I want to date, you know, someone who is Asian, you know, and I want this person to have a good job, blah, blah, blah. But they're like, I need this person to be a Sikh. I need this person, you know, to have come from this family. You know, I want them to be this tall. And they're very specific, especially around religion. And I think some of them, they kind of throw in like, what is our last name? Like where, you know, what is our status kind of thing? And it's more prevalent in India. So there was that sense that people were a little bit triggered by this depiction because Netflix doesn't necessarily take a position on it. They're just showing how life is, right? But mm-hmm. it could kind of come off badly because it's like, you know, all the men have all these choices. and But then when they shoot the women parts, it's very much like, oh, well, you're this, so you're going to be limited. Or you're this, so you have high expectations. And even though mm-hmm. it's something that totally happens, like, is it healthy to have it on screen in like a huge platform like Netflix where some people, it might be their first entryway into this part of Indian culture, right? right. So 
it's been kind of a mixed bag. But um, before I get into some of the ways you guys can still watch it, but watch it critically, what are your initial thoughts about, you know, Indian matchmaking as like a concept? You know, have you had your friends who are Indian or have you read articles that were like not really agreeing with it or for the show? Well, I, I haven't read any articles, but mm-hmm. I kind of want to ask. So I do have um, uh, friends from Punjab. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I do have a few friends that were, that has gotten married through uh, matchmaking. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they all live like very happily, at least, you know, from what I'm observing. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess my question though here is that, are the criticisms coming from Indian Americans or are they coming from non-Indians? So from what I observe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, too. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear what you said. Okay. Um, It's mostly been Indian Americans who has been talking about it. So there's a whole Reddit forum. We know we love Reddit at 699. So you guys Uh can check it out. Uh Um, But Michael, what about you? I know when I was like, let's talk about Indian matchmaking. You were like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, that's a bad show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I... I watched a couple episodes and I just, I guess it was like the framing of certain people and the way they introduced mm-hmm. them. I just felt like they weren't, it was like, it felt like very, to me, it felt very intentional from the producing side of like, I this character is going to play this type of role and we're going to cast these people in different things. They're going to play like this, like person that's not going to want to, you know, it was like contrived. Uh, be, to yeah, like not be flexible in any way. And this, but this other person's like very flexible, like playing different ways. So I was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I read a, I read like two articles on on it from Indian Americans saying like mm-hmm. this is a bad show. So it's like, I guess my first initial was like, okay, like my like ickiness feeling of it was kind of confirmed by what I read. But I mean, yeah. the more I heard you talk about it, I was like, okay, maybe I should think about it a different way. Yeah, I will say, though, you know, I think hearing out my friends, it it definitely brings a lot of like painful things for them of like, you know, how maybe they were treated differently by the community because of like how dark they were or because, you know, they were from a specific cast and had a specific last name or something. And it's like they don't really address it in Indian matchmaking. It's just like a matter of fact. Right. Mm. So um, one thing that really helped me was something that my friend Trisha shared is this Google Doc, and it's kind of like a guide into how to watch this show. And it was made by a professor, or she's pursuing her doctorate. Um, Her name is Viraj Patel. And she has all of these questions that kind of like prep you and walk you through. So you watch the show critically. So for example, she'll say, what do you who's who do you think the show was made for for Indians, Indian Americans or non-Indians? Like exactly the question that you asked JK and and when you watch it you kind of realize like I think this was made for like non-Indians. <laughs> um so you kind of miss all of these like nuances and stuff, right? And they'll also pull in certain examples of just like how do you guys feel about, you know, whenever the perspective like men and women talk about their taste based on their parents you know a lot of them are like Mm. whatever my mom wants or i want someone just like my mom it's like is that healthy is that okay okay?" um so these were really great and helped me like watch it with like more critical eye and 
in that way, I think my conclusion is I'm really happy that the show was made because it created conversation. I think every art form um, will stir controversy. And, you know, JK, you've made a documentary that I'm sure people had opinions about, you know, and but at the thing is you create discussion and you create that moment. So right. long story short, I think I'm really happy it was made, but you should definitely right. watch it critically. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. No, that's definitely a, a good topic to bring up. Yeah. I'm curious mm-hmm. to know how it's portrayed again. Like I think what you mentioned that is important to note is that uh, a lot of these things still exist like caste mm-hmm. system, uh, you know, sexism, classism, colorism, all of that still exists in Indian culture, at least mm-hmm. according to what you're saying uh, how, that this show highlights. So I don't think it should be something that is hidden, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. there should be uh, different perspectives that explain why that still exists, maybe, to kind of make right. it more holistic. But yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah uh, I, I, let's talk about the next topic. Um, yeah. We have WeChat and TikTok that is about to be permanently banned from United States of America. And, uh, and by permanently banned, this is just, uh, I guess, like Trump openly saying these things. Like, yo, I'm going to ban it, you know what I mean, without really having any sort of like uh, uh, legal That's how things get done uh, around backing. Uh, it's executive any, order. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, but what, what, does that, what does that even mean? Like, can a president send out an executive order to ban an American-based company? Right. Like, I, I don't understand what that what that means. Like, sounds is, is that even possible? Me. Yeah, I mean, just I like everything else that th- my man says, like a lot of the stuff that he says that he can't do, he can't really technically do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looks good without, for the for his base. Through. That that is true. But what's what's also interesting is that his base is very active on TikTok. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like his his base actually really enjoys TikTok, just like yeah. a lot of other folks, you know. So yeah, I mean, we we talked about this pretty extensively in um um in our in our episode last week. So maybe uh, but but again, like my my personal uh, opinion on this is just um, this is just a political tool, man, that he's utilizing because he needed to find a hot topic to. Uh, basically used to continue this agenda of going after uh, China so he could rile up his base so he could, uh, you know, again, have a yeah. talking point when it, when, it comes time for, uh, t- when it comes time for November. You know what I mean? No. Um, but also, I would say the WeChat thing, too, is a little, like, iffy because a lot of conservative Chinese Americans are on, on WeChat, right? So... I mean, there I mean, are a lot like of, all Chinese I mean, a lot people of, are on WeChat. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, no, but like, there's a large like like people that would support Trump. But I mean, he is playing up the whole data and China coming in and WeChat, especially with like censorship more. But the, even the idea of like the legality of an American president deciding like who wins and loses in the market is very un-American. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but um, JLTMs said he's worried that he's not going to have four hours of his day to waste on TikTok. So that's, I mean, I guess some people's worries out there. But you yeah, know, who, I mean, who knows? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, going to uh, going back to the point about, uh, I, I guess like I mentioned this during our conversation last week is, yo, according to that logic of what Trump is saying, like. Mm. How are you going to justify American cars being sold in America, uh, in China? Like, 
Tesla sales mm. are going off the charts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How are you going to justify iPhones being sold in China? You know what I'm saying? What is like Apple collecting data from all Chinese people? Like, is that what they're doing? I mean, right. after a certain point, after your company worth a billion dollars, there's no like nationalistic loyalty, man. It's just all money and data. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't I don't see this whole argument. This this one US president is trying to like, you know, trying to like bring attention to something that doesn't really matter. Like, let's mm -hmm. talk about how we're gonna fix COVID first instead of like mm -hmm. you trying to ban TikTok. That's not really the matter at hand. If anything, you're fucking making this company even more valuable than it was before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, man, that's that. But uh yeah. they're let's hiring talk about like something crazy. that is more important though. Yeah. Uh, what is it, Jordan? What were you about to say? Oh, I was just going to say they're hiring like crazy. They're oh, not yeah, phased by this at all. <laughs> 1,000%. You know, they say they have a campus in uh, California right mm -hmm. now. Their employees are, I think, they have like less than 1,000 employees. No, they have like less than like 500 employees right now in their USHQ. But their goal is to hire up to 10,000 people or something. You know what I mean? Their campus is huge. So, yeah, man, they're like actively trying to hire. And if anything, this is like an easy way for a boomer brand like Microsoft to come and scoop up this brand and really try to uh, target a new base. Mm. You know, if anything, yeah. Twitch is perfect for Microsoft. Like all this generation of kids that are gamers that's yeah. actually on Twitch right now, they prefer PC. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, man, that's a whole nother but, hey, but I'll say this. The tic a TikTok campus in California will probably have the best Chinese food. You know, so now I don't know oh, about that. So. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about oh that. I'm God. just thinking of the Facebook campus and how they like basically like a college unit, like a university I don't campus, know, right? Man. They probably just have a Panda Express in there too, man. Who knows, yo? <laughs> Shout knows? out Orange Chicken. But uh, yes, yo, yes. Um, let's right, talk about something a little things. bit more important. Yeah, like let's talk about the census, though. What's up? What's yeah. going on with the census situation? Yeah, so the census is now going to be closing its counting early in terms of um, door knocking, right? So people going out, calling you, um, and following up on people that haven't turned in their census yet. And that's going to stop on September 30th. And that a lot of people are uh, very worried about that because there's still a lot of people that haven't reported. I think it's like around 60% overall. I couldn't. I'm not sure about the Asian American Pacific Islander numbers, but they're not that great. And mm. like, as, as a lot of things are out there, have been talking about why the census is important um, in a couple of reasons, right? It's like $1.5 trillion of federal spending is dependent on this. The re reappropriation of seats in the U S house of representatives, the people actually representing you in the federal level, redrawing of district lines, um, emergency response areas, like if like Hurricane Sandy comes, like, oh, how many people are in a certain area? How are we going to react to that? Even, and even when we had um, our, our past episode, right, we talked about how grocery stores will also look at the data. I was just like, going to okay, say, like, let's stock Korean some kimchi people. in this grocery yeah, exactly. store. Not for real. Yeah. So there's, yeah. so there's a lot of issues. And I was looking at kind of numbers and um, people are broken. I guess they're breaking down people to um, hard to count areas, right? The people that might have language issues or, or rural areas or lack of technology to be able to like do these things. And one in five Asian Americans are in those areas and one in three native Hawaiian and Pacific Islanders are in those areas, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, That's a yeah, large yeah. percentage of people in those areas. So going back to the point of 
this whole count being closed a month early is going to really affect the numbers for Asian Americans and um, Pacific Islanders. So wait, so um, I thought they got extended to October. So now they're saying that. Yeah, no, no. So, so the, you can like data collection, quote unquote, they're trying to push until December 31st, the end of the year. Right. But Mm -hmm. the official like door knocking, like people going out and being like, I'm with the census and I'm uh-huh. here to count you or uh-huh. are on the phone and be like, oh, this is the census. I'm here to count you. Um, that's going to stop. And that's an issue because, you know, a lot of immigrant communities don't are not going to do it unless, you know, yeah. like maybe if their son or daughter or like their neighbor or someone comes and does it. And there's already complications with it with COVID, right? With like how you approach someone's household. Like, do you have a mask on? Like, how do you keep your distance? And when people are kind of like, don't come close to me like how are you going to have that conversation about why this is important right yeah so there's a lot of issues that the census is facing um and you know before this they had all these um live events ready to go of like come fill out your census we're gonna have a party yada 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 like a big strategy and then they had to like completely rewire that so like people like jakey on tiktok or like instagram influencers or whatever they're like trying to like get people that have followings in specific um, communities and groups, they're like, okay, like tell your people about the census. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're trying to do. Um, census ne- did never came to us, but we think it's important. So if you're watching this, um, ask your friends uh, if they've filled out the census. Have you filled out the census? Has your family filled out the census? Right. So that's an important conversation to be having right now. Yeah, one thousand percent, man. I mean, you know, listen, like. Uh, it directly affects like everything from like highway planning mm-hmm. to you know food stamps to school lunch programs to housing projects you know public housing capital fund medicare and medicaid you know what i'm yeah. saying all of that it affects all of that like so uh if you're not filling out your census but you're over there filling out questionnaires so you could enter a jordan raffle uh <laughs> you're hustling backwards b you know what i'm saying yeah. like get your fucking life together Fill out your senses, you know what I'm saying? Like, really think about what is important right now. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, have you, yeah, have I mean, you both I, filled I think, it out? Have you filled it out both? Oh, yeah, 1,000%. Mm-hmm. 1,000%. Yes. 1, okay. But, yo, oh, I think one of, the, one of the fear uh, that exists in a lot of, like, POC communities, especially where a lot of, like, uh, uh, undocumented immigrant folks live, is that, yo, like, if I fill out my senses, like, is this going to affect, is, is like ice going to come and fucking get me because they got this data and shit. Um, so I actually asked like, you know, we asked um what Steven Raga, who was one of our past guests. And, uh, mm-hmm. well, I even asked uh, Ron Kim, who was uh, also one of our past guests. I mean, these guys are all like, uh, one is an assemblyman. The other one is works for an assemblyman. They work in politics, you know, and they assured us that, yo, if, any other agencies that is affiliated with the government gets access to census information that is going to jeopardize the livelihood of anybody. Um, that's going to be a national outrage. You know what I mean? Like people mm-hmm. are protected. This information is protected. It is being used uh, to serve the people, not to crack down on people. So, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to trust their words, man. So, you know, I, I highly recommend everybody to fill out these senses. Fill it out. You yes. know what I mean? So uh, maybe maybe we could do a little raffle. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe we could have a raffle where if people yeah. fill out these senses, I could have Otugi send them like a a, a, a box of products. You know what Michael. I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Oof. let's do that. Let's do yeah. that. But um, all right. So 
you know, we talked about TikTok again. We talked about the senses, and then we talked about Indian matchmaking. Uh, I think it's time for JoJo's glow up report. Glow up report. Before, thank you, thank you for that. Right. But before that, is Michael frozen? Or I don't know. <laughs> or Mike Michael's just tuning in. But uh, I think I, don't I think know. we can he, keep it going. He hasn't blinked in a while, so yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so while he does that. Actually, we can, you know, have a moment with me and Jakey. So mm. I'm going to talk about getting financially naked. So it's, you know, Jakey's favorite subject, right? Oh, Finance I love getting naked. And getting naked. Yeah, I love so getting naked. So obviously this segment's for you. No. Mm. So getting financially naked with your partner. So I specifically mm. wanted to talk about this because I think with COVID and everything, finances are kind of shifting a lot of people are thinking about like investing or being like hey like i'm saving so much money like staying in or i'm spending too much money like staying in new york and paying this rent um so a lot of people are thinking about like that financial planning and it gets complicated when you have a partner welcome back michael can you hear us Hi. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, you need a sip because jakey did say otuki okay, so you need to well. take that sip okay um, so to catch you up to speed, we're talking about getting financially naked. I wanted to walk you guys through some of the ways you can approach it with your partner, why it's so important, um, because I don't know how many um, couples that I know where everything is amazing and glowing in the beginning, and then they talk about money and it kind of starts to crumble and things get a little too serious. So I just want to promote being transparent about this and like kind of taking away that taboo. We kind of talk about how as Asian Americans, we are a little money is like a taboo topic or we see money very um, differently from a lot of Americans. Um, so one thing that I drew inspiration from was this blog called Bloke, Bloke? <laughs> I'm like getting British y'all, Broke Millennial. Um, so it's a blog by this woman named Erin Lowry. I actually... She's a really good friend of mine. I'm really good friends with her little sister. And she started writing a blog about money. And millennials kind of had this stereotype that they don't really know how to save. They don't really know how to what use money. So she started writing about it and giving tips. And it's kind of like for personal finance tips. It's not like professional, like investment, blah, blah, blah. But she's super knowledgeable. And one of the topics she covers is talking to your partner about money. And the number one thing she talks about, I don't know if we have some pictures that we could show, is um, uh, talk about your number. And it's, no, it's not how many partners you've had. <laughs> okay. It's about... Okay, what's your number? Yeah. Mm. What is your number? And it's basically... I'm um, talking about debt. Um, so, oh, we have a little visual here. Hey, thank you, Aaron, by the way, for providing these visuals. Um, talking about your number, talking about what debt you have, what kind of debt, is it student debt? Is it credit card debt? Um, mm. How you got it? What kind is it? How much is it? What's your credit score? And being really, you know, open about those things in the beginning um, with your partner. And I know some, I know friends who've dated their boyfriends for four years and did not know how much he made. I've had friends who've dated someone for three years, moved in together and found that they were like $60,000 in credit card debt. And it's just like, this did not come up. But, you know, in our culture, it's kind of like rude to talk about it, even amongst like your partners, right? And there's also this like culture of like, 
masculine hyper masculinity where like especially in Korean culture it's like oh I'll take care of it you know like don't worry I got it but then they don't really talk about you know the situation at hand so right. definitely talk about your number um, and another thing to talk about Uh, keep in mind when you bring this up is just to be kind and get a sense of how did you view money growing up? Like, Mm -hmm. is it going to be a trigger for you? Because some people can talk about it like business, right? It's like, this is how much I have, this blah, blah, blah. Oh, I make two times more than you. Okay. And it could be really cold. And it's not about winning the argument or losing. It's like either both of you are winning or both of you are losing. So just be really kind when you talk about it. And if someone right. is visibly uncomfortable talking about it, being like, hey, by the way, like, you know, did your parents ever talk about this stuff? If not, let's like start over. And, you know, I'm not here to like jip you. I'm not here to make you feel bad. Like, I just want to know because if we know the number, we can tackle mm-hmm. it together. We can have a plan. Yes. Right. Yes. So before I even go further, um, have you guys talked about had this trouble in the past? Have you guys ever had schisms because about money? Maybe it's not even with your partners, but maybe with your roommates or your parents. Right, right, right. right. Um, yeah, I grew up in a household where um, money was being talked about quite openly, like mm-hmm. in a dinner table. You know, my pops has a small business. So like over dinner, like we would just talk about how much he made that day how much uh, he needs to pay back in terms of like mortgage and all of that. Uh, So yeah, like talking about money was never something that was like off-putting for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I wish, you know, understanding investment and understanding credit scores and some of the other stuff that is like out beyond just talking about the concept of money. I wish that was implemented uh, in me growing up. Um, you know, I didn't have access to that, unfortunately. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it took me a long time for me to, you know, I kind of had to do my own diligence and do my own Kumon Mm -hmm. until I learned that. that. But, um, you know, speaking about money, I do realize that it, it triggers, definitely it triggers a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I have a nickname where people call me pocket watch because I like to talk about money more so than some of my uh more artistically inclined friends mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when i talk to talk about money with you know my homies that are in small business were uh that are working in finance like the topics that i talk about is nothing that is off-putting for them if anything yeah. they encourage talking about that yeah you know what I mean? so it's really a uh, uh you know i just think that it's really a matter of um i think i said this before uh once you kind of understand money once you're less fearful about money it just becomes something way easier to talk about. And once you feel comfortable about anything, it's better, it's easier for you to control it. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? yeah. So, and let me let me ask you this, because you've been in your relationship for a long time. You guys mm. live together now. Like, did you guys have to, and you got, you don't wow, have to share thank you everything? For, thank you for putting that out there, Jojo. Now the world knows. All right. Okay, Jake, you trying taken. to hide shit. <laughs> um, sorry. So um, we can't edit this out because it's live. Okay. Um did you have a conversation with your partner about like, cause there's a point where you can't like split every little thing. Right. Right. Um, you know, so it's like, Hey, like let's have a threshold. Like, you know what, if I want to buy a piece of furniture, that's like more than 200, you know, let's split it. Or I'll ask you before I buy it. Like, did you guys have those kind of conversations or are you like so in sync that it doesn't really matter? Um, for the most part, uh, you know, we played a nunchi game and mm. nunchi and, 
is a Korean word that kind of just means like sense. So like if I just drop like five racks on like brand new furniture yeah, and you over here stressing me about like, yo, like, are you going to split the grocery? I'm going to look at you a little funny. You know what I'm saying? Yo, what's good with that? You know what I mean? Like, yo, you yeah. make good money too. What's like, up? You know? What? But uh, for the most part, it's been, it's been good. We never had an issue about bread. You know what I mean? And on top of that, like, um, you know, my partner, she works for a big company, uh, mm -hmm. but I work for myself. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, benefits in the tax system that uh, <laughs> your boy JK could optimize. You know what I mean? So, yes. yeah, you know, okay. there's conversations about that, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll all leave right, it what at about that. You, Michael? You know what I'm I don't need the Uncle Sam coming knocking yeah. at my door asking me <laughs> no, all these questions. I, mean, I feel like. I had the opposite experience with JK growing up. Um, like my parents were salaried employees, but never mm. really talked about how much. I mean, it was like, okay, this is how much I make, but it wasn't. It was nothing like extra from that about yeah. mortgages or expenses and things like that. And I'm, I mean, sometimes I'd, I would see them buying stuff or whatever, and I'd kind of just be like, okay, I wonder what that, how much that is. But we never really openly talked about it. So I've had to learn how to actually be more comfortable speaking about it um mm. and that's i think like cause you know issues in the past um but i, like, I don't know it's issues? like oh what issues i mean it's like what i'm comfortable like buying or who like how we're splitting things as you explained um and like who pays for what i think mm -hmm. because i didn't really grow up and wasn't like super used to like having those conversations all the time about like how much something is my all, the only thing my mom said was like that's too expensive. Like get it for Christmas or something. Um, mm. which is like, this is about it. I'm like, okay, I learned how to just like delay buying something, but that doesn't have to do with like anything, like how much it's worth or like negotiating stuff with your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, if I had to like learn how to do it, I'm not, I don't know if I'm particularly great at it, but I'm actually, when I, you posted this book, I was like, maybe I should read this book. I think I need this in my life right now. Yeah. Yo, yo, I, I, I got a quick question here. So, Mm -hmm. You know, and like Jojo, and, and you could chime in on this as well, obviously, because mm -hmm. you're coming from a different perspective. So me growing up as a Korean man, there was this certain notion that when you go out with shorty, like you pay the bill, you know what I'm saying? And it's not like this whole concept of splitting the bill. It doesn't really exist in many like Korean or I guess yeah. East Asian relationships, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. um, I thought I just thought that it was, you know, I just I wanted to ask you all like, you know, you know, what, what are your experiences about that? You know, like, Michael, like I know, you know, you grew up with like a Japanese upbringing, but you also kind of grew up in like uh, predominantly like, a, you know, like hardcore American, you know, what I mean, lifestyle yeah, yeah. until like you got to college. So like, what was that like? You know, what I mean, like this concept of splitting the bill with like a mm. opposite sex or like with with the date, like. Does that, you know, did you, did you grow up doing that? Um, or was it more like, yo, I'm the dude and I kind of have to pay, you know what I mean? I, I feel like I've always, like, it's been a thing that people did. I think even high school people were doing that, even though we're like, half of us weren't actually making our own money. We're just like, we had money from our parents um, to use. So I, I was like always, I, I think I, but I do know that feeling of like, oh, I should, I should do this. I think I've run into the issue of like, I've been told by older people that like men should pay the bill, but then I'm living in a world where 
the the woman on the other side is like forcefully being like i want to pay for half of this and i'm like the japanese side of me is like no you're not gonna pay no. for it and i want to fight but then i'm like well this is like america suburbs so i'm like how like much do i do this with this person if they're and like is it a test a if they're like yeah if they're like a white person that's actually wouldn't pay be like all right sure like you can pay it if you want like what does that like mean um so i don't really have a good answer to that i've just just want to say like i've been confused with that kind of upbringing um yeah. i mean i do like to pay uh i mean i mean if you're like at right, costco like, getting like a chicken bake and you're trying no, to split the bill on that like I don't no 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 i'm talking about going out i'm not being like yeah, yo yeah, this yeah. chicken bake is 6.99 like where's my three dollars you know, no, no 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 don't do that Imagine. don't do that no 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 <laughs> yeah wait can i chime in from yeah, a no, yeah, perspective so I, I mean, girls talk about this too, right? Of just like, yeah. we've talked about like, how do you guys feel about this? Like, you know, are we bad feminists if we let them pay kind of thing? So I've heard, you know, one sly girl say, you know, usually, you know, when, at the end of the meal, you know, you kind of like take out your wallet and you're just like, yeah, and they're like, no, 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 no. And they're just like, and instead of being like, no, no, let me get it. Say, are you sure? Are you sure? Because yeah, they're not gonna be like, yeah. I, I hate that I'm not sure. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Uh, yo, so so one time, yeah. just be like, no. I was on a date with this shorty. <laughs> I was on a date with this shorty, and then she was she had the wallet. Yeah. And um, she was like, yo, no, let's split it. And then I was like, initially, like, nah, 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 don't worry about it. I got yeah. it. She's like, nah. And she, she like threw it out. And then I was like, all right, cool, let's split it. And Shorty didn't have her card with her, yo. So she was fronting. And like, <laughs> I was like, she just had a fucking Metro card and her oh, ID in the no. wallet. I was like, yo, Ma, what's up? You know what I'm saying? So, That's yeah, so I definitely feel like there's definitely Shorties. Out. Not saying all y'all ladies are doing this, but, you know, there's definitely there ladies are. out there that knows the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, that knows yeah. the game and, you know, they, they utilize the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And what I tell f my friends who like ask me now if they want my opinion, I ask. I think it's about like if it's a first date and let's say the guy chose the place and it's like really expensive, mm. then I would say yeah. like maybe he gets that round and then afterwards yeah. maybe you're like, hey, like let's drop in here and like I'll get this next or something. And right, I, yeah, it yeah. should go for you too. Like if you're choosing somewhere, like you should be ready to like kind of front it because like you chose yeah. that place, right? Right. Exactly. Um, but it's yeah. like, but to be fair though, like it's not like the shorty's gonna choose this place if like the dude is asking her out. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, that's as a dude. Like you, gotta girl, you, gotta, no, you gotta be strategic because no, Sean, Sean Z one yeah, was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna go out if I'm, Shan if wise, I can't pay. Shan wise. Shan wise, yeah, yeah, ain't gonna, I'm not gonna pay. I'm not gonna mm. pick a spot where I can't pay for it. Like, like if you're trying to get a date, like if I only, if I know I make this certain amount of money, right? Like it's actually against my better like like prospects moving forward if i like take her this girl to like a really nice spot the first time because you're setting expectations oh, yeah, when you ain't making that when you're not making that kind of money and you're like oh let's go to this place where i'm gonna drop 200 dollars, and okay that's the bar now you're gonna go yeah. out to all these places like no you gotta if you if you're making mcdonald's money it's mcdonald's money if you're making like olive garden money it's olive garden money yeah. like it's 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 tears here, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Not and, Olive Garden. Girls, I, I take sure yeah. you got the BBQs, yo. Easy. <laughs> and girls will <laughs> really appreciate, Less than 50 like, bucks. You, you get one of those, like, uh, slushies 
with the uh, with the Heineken tip upside down. Oh my god! Yeah, you, know, you get lit. You know what I'm saying? Are you like the bulldogs or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. BBQs, <laughs> baby, all the way. Come on. Oh my First god! First date, BBQs. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone has their own different proof. way, but I would tell guys to like I when I hear my girlfriends get really excited, they're like, "Oh my god, he cooked for me." Or, "Oh my god, like he Yo, just like surprised get, me." Like, wow, like they oh, he <laughs> cooked for me. me. You're the you're the cook Yo, over he here. Cooked, yeah, <laughs> he cooked for me. So this is for real. Like this is for real. And I'm what? like, yeah, nah, son. nah, I just wanted to save the money on the meal, you know what I mean? Oh my God. I just didn't no, want to yeah, take you can't, tip, you know you, what I'm saying? You can't do that during COVID season. You can't just be like, I mean, yeah. I'd be like, yo, if you have a positive, you, you're like negative test. Okay. Last three days. Okay. I'll, you can come mm-hmm. over and cook. Yeah. But, okay. Like, so we got a chat way. actually. So, yeah. um, I weigh. A weigh. A Anyway, okay, where does paying for the meal and stuff fit into the conversation of gender equality? So I think we kind of brushed upon it, but totally fair question. Um, it's complicated because, like, for me, like, I've always offered to split. And I don't, I don't do the are you sure. I bring my card and everything. Mm. And, you know, I say, like, oh, like, let's split it. And I just make it not a big deal. But sometimes it backfired on me where they were like, oh, like, are we homies? Like, or they were like, oh, is, is this you? Oh. Like, is this your thing? Or was this not a, and I was like, oh, this is so awkward. <laughs> and it happened like to me off? like twice. Or no, they were thinking like, oh, like, I think maybe they were more traditional and I didn't know okay. that. And they were mm-hmm. like, oh, does she think we're homies? Like, she doesn't want, like, it's not a date because uh, oh, she wants okay, to split yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? right. And I was like, right, no, right, right. Um, no, I want. <laughs> I like you, but like I don't think we're homies. I was just trying to help, and it's just it got like awkward. So it's oh, like no. it kind of goes both ways. Like right. girls think about it too, of just like hmm. So I don't know what you guys think about the gender equality thing. I think I think and, more so like than gender. Like I think it's really like if if okay, like if right now I I take a shorty out who's happened to be like six years younger than me, I'm I'm probably not gonna have her pay. You know what I'm saying? Like it's Yo, there's like the age thing that also kind of exists in like East Asian culture, especially in Korean culture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, how can an oppa let a a female tongzang pay? You know what I mean? Like, that's just that Mm. just kind of like gives you a bad rep. You know what I mean? So I think there's that. But if it's like somebody who's around my age or somebody who happens to be older, that's like the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wouldn't feel as, you know. I wouldn't feel as um, iffy about letting the letting the other person pay. You know what I mean? Because um, yeah. you know we're kind of like seeing each other from a very equal lens. You know what I mean? Or maybe it's like I bet like I got the meal, and then Shorty gets the movie. Or yeah. even if it's like ice cream, I'll make sure to hit up Van Lewin and get that five dollar per scoop. You know what I mean? So yeah. we could like equalize that. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Michael? Before we move on to the next segment, the gender equality stuff. I mean, well, like, what do you think is like a hmm, good way to like approach way. it? Mm-hmm. I mean, my thing is, I feel as if I would, I would love a world where everyone's like just straight up with it, um, but that's not the case a lot of times. And there's a lot of posturing, and what you, the Korean word nunchi. I guess it comes into a lot of it, right? Um, but I don't know. Like, if a woman, like, I don't, like, 
if if a woman I'm with is like, I want to, I'll pay half of, I want to take your word for it. Like, I don't want to be in a, like, I think that's the type of world I want to live in. Be like, okay, if you say that, then whatever. Like, if you never expected to pay for this meal, just don't do it. And I'll just yeah. put the card down. Boom. Mm-hmm. And then if you, if you want to get the drinks after you, and you just say like, okay, if you get this, then we, wherever like bar we go after this, then like you can get that. Like that, that's usually like a thing I like to do. Right. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's a lot to of be posturing. fair. Like in New York city, man, drinks, Drinks could be as expensive as a meal, you know what I mean? Or even more. Yeah, you know I mean? you exactly. go to a nice so, like speakeasy yeah. cocktail spot is like 16, 18 per a drink. Mm-hmm. Knock down like four of those. It's like three halal bowls. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Boom. That's always easy. Yeah. Yeah. Always so, losing. So. But I mean, on that note, uh, Jakey, do you want to walk us through Pocket Watch? Yeah. And yeah, talk yeah. about so the restaurant this industry. This week's Pocket Watch. So this is Jakey's Pocket Watch segment. Uh, but yeah, like I know, I know I usually try to talk about like different companies and their logistical operational, mm-hmm. uh, perspectives and, uh, you know, trying to give y'all tips about doing a little money, money play with different companies. But yo, I kind of want to talk about, you know, the small businesses that are being directly affected right now. You know what I mean? Not only in, you know, not only in New York, but actually let's talk specifically about New York. You know what I mean? Uh, this is a very big issue. You know what I mean? I know, um, they're like a lot of small businesses, uh, they're deteriorating, man, like pretty much permanently. Yeah. I'll give y'all some math. Like according to the New York times since March, more than 2,800 small businesses in New York city have permanently closed. And out of the 2,800, about 33% of them were restaurants. And more than 80% of the city's restaurants and bars did not pay full rent in June 2020. You know what I mean? So that's a lot of tenants that are not making money to pay rent for a lot of people that, you know what I mean? Like that just can't, like a lot of landlords are suffering as well. So about half the closings took place in Manhattan because folks that can't afford to live in the city they, a lot of them moved out mm-hmm. and um, a lot of corporate offices like, you know, Jojo, you know, you haven't been going into the office for a long time. All those corporate offices, they kind of uh, support the local businesses that are surrounding it. So all those spots are not operating. So therefore, all the small businesses can't make money. And um, I didn't even know it is, but small businesses apparently represent 98 percent of employers in New York City. So they provide wow. more than 3 million jobs in mm-hmm. New York, you know, which is about half of the city's workforce. So they saying that, what, like 8 million people in New York, 6 million registered working people, 3 million is, you know, supported by small businesses. So they say that um, nationally across the U.S., 110,000 small businesses have closed permanently. And... Um, you know, like, you know, a lot of these big corporations, they have like reserves for days where they could like, you know, for instance, like my homies that were working at Nike in the mm. retail segment for the past four months, they were getting their hours and getting paid hourly wages, even though they weren't working. <laughs> you oh, know what wow. I mean? Like they, like they never went unemployed. They never got furloughed. They kept getting paid even though they were like retail staff, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, they recently had to go back to work. But 
Um, you know, that, even that was kind of crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of these uh, big businesses, they could afford to do that. But, you know, small businesses, yo, like they can't withstand a, a month or sometimes even weeks. You know, like even like um, the business that I'm in, like alumni, um, you know, we we had we had to cut a lot of our overhead. Basically, like a lot of the retail staff, mm -hmm. uh, they're not working right now. And um, but as a result, like we were able to amp up our online business. So because we lessened our overhead, uh, we were able to make up a lot of those losses. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're able to maintain ourselves like that. But a lot of these restaurants Yo, like, uh, you know, I spoke with some of these guys in K-Town um, that have like small businesses and restaurants. Yo, some of these guys are like close to a million dollars in debt. Just oh my God. not paying rent. You know what I mean? A lot of these just restaurants. Rent? Yeah, yo, K-Town rent it? is crazy, man. Okay. K-Town rent is crazy. Like I'm talking like 50K a month. Mm -hmm. uh 29k uh some some of these restaurants in uh k-town i think the rent is close to a hundred thousand yeah. dollars a month yeah. you know what i mean no, remember so, jk when we did that photo shoot in the union square deli yeah that that, this, that place closed down yeah and like and he what? was like it, it's it's because the rent is so insane in those like heavy traffic places and you have to yeah. he was like i have to make at least like sixty thousand a month to like be profitable or something yeah like not nah, like close to like a hundred thousand oh, uh, yeah. in sales for them to yeah. be like at least like staying above water mm -hmm. you know what i mean That's um crazy. so yeah like yo like you know according to independent restaurant coalition 30 percent of u.s restaurants could close for good by this winter mm -hmm. um, <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean? So 85% of non-chain eateries could go out of business by the end of this year. So yeah. I guess like some of the questions that we could ask ourselves is a lot of these small communities, whether it's Chinatown, Koreatown, uh, you know, any of these like uh, Latinx communities in Uptown, uh, West Indian communities in Flatbush, all these places, some of their main uh attraction and businesses that constitute these communities are restaurants and if these restaurants are going to go out of business are these communities even going to be a chinatown are they can they still be a korea town can they still be a, a west indian neighborhood you know what i'm saying like um and what's going to happen when these businesses are all gonna just kind of be gone like are these neighborhoods gonna be gentrified like who's gonna come in and scoop these places up you know like mm -hmm. who's gonna be new tenants that's gonna replace these businesses so uh i mean what what, what are some of your thoughts what, what do you guys think i mean it's so heartbreaking i feel like every day i go on instagram and it's like 88 lanzo close or jing fong closes and it's just like it's so sad and you think about like all the memories and you think about like sometimes i also think about how like I was like, oh my God, this place is so cheap. It's like criminal how cheap this is. And then like now thinking like, oh, I should have like paid more <laughs> or like yeah. a little bit more to like help them towards something. But I totally agree, JK, because like so much of um, what a town is called or like coined is because of the cuisine. Like, you know, you go to K-Town to get Korean food. You go to, you know, all these things. So I, 
think there's definitely going to be that loss of identity. And I would hate for K-Town to be lined with like Starbucks, Chase, like, you know, the, all these like commer- commercial Ooh. places, like even like Damn. around Union Square, like before um, this Blue Water Grill, it's like a super like successful restaurant. It closed and it's like people are like 100% it's going to be another Chase, even though there's like five Chase banks around us. It's going to be another chase. Wow. (laughs) And it's just, it's really sad because they're the only ones who could afford it. (laughs) Wow. Wow. It's going to, it's going to continue to increase the inequality of just of the spaces. Right. Cause if these are the conversations that small businesses are having, they're like, Oh, we're like running out of money. If you look at the flip side, the rich people, their conversations are like, this is the best, you know, if you think about investors and what they talk about and real estate people, they're like, this is the best opportunity, right? Like mm. um, in a downturn is when the best opportunities come. Like these people are waiting in the wings for- And, and yo, to be fair, to, go out. To, be, to be fair, like, you know, I could be categorizing one of those people too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm no, like, but I'm saying, like, what is the ethical, like, ethical concern of that, right? Because if someone yeah. comes in like that into Chinatown, it's like, okay, like, who's buying that property? What are they gonna like keep there? Are they gonna just gonna tear it down? Are they gonna build something new? What's what kind of businesses are gonna be allowed in those places? Or who are they gonna rent to? Um, and as you said, and you and JoJo said, is like. Like, what is K-Town without Korean barbecue? And, like, um, what's that spot that all the young people go to? Um, uh, all the young people. You're one. the youngest <laughs> one here, okay? <laughs> no, but the 16-year-olds. You know what I'm um, talking about? Warjip, Warjip, or whatever. Warjip, Warjip. Warjip, yeah. Like, or even Chinatown, right? Without Because a lot of these ethnic enclaves are nothing without, like, it, the biggest cultural marker is the food. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, like... You know, it's like, oh, it's the Chinese stationery store, or it's the Chinese uh, um, hardware store. You know, it's it's they don't have you don't really have cultural markers to that. Like, oh, it's the West Indian hardware store that I go to. No, it's a hardware yeah. store, right? So, like, that's 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 the scary part. And then, especially where I live in, like Crown Heights, is like you just see these buildings just like skyrocketing up. It's just like, well, like, what's gonna happen? Like, all these businesses are shuttering, and everyone's like, yes, like blood in the, blood's in the water. Let's get this money. <laughs> And you're like, okay, like, yeah. what's the ethical, moral uh, conversation here around these, around buying or selling and all that? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think you know, I kind of wanted to move the conversation to talking about um, how we could possibly help. You know right. what I mean? Uh, what what can people like us, uh, you know, young professionals uh, that are not only capitalistic, but also has an ethical uh, uh, perspective on things um, to try to figure out how we could possibly help these people. So, yeah. Well, one thing, so I was actually a part of this organization called Off Their Plate. Um, This was around like April, May when things were so crazy in the hospitals. And what they did was um, they're all like super smart, very rich people. (laughs) And um, they raised like $6 million and basically started buying meals from small businesses and um, serve and delivering and transporting it to hospitals and like like hospitals in real need. And one of the criterias in which we chose these restaurants were like, you know, we'll give you $12, 10 to $12 a meal. Hello. We're alive. Technical we, difficulties. We got hacked by China. Just kidding. 
Okay. So before we unfortunately crashed, uh, we were trying to find the positivity and think about how can we help. Um, all these restaurants are in need and a lot of issues are going on. How can we help as like consumers and people who like love these communities and love these restaurants? And one of the things I did um, back in April and May was I volunteered with this organization called Off Their Plate. So their business model was that they just raised a ton of money. They raised up to $6 million from rich, all these like rich people and like alums of their schools. And they basically started buying meals. Like they would buy hundred meals from uh, Besu and, you know, have them delivered to Umhurst or something and feed the frontline workers. And there were other um, organizations that popped up, like frontline workers was like another organization. A lot of, um, I know um, Cliff, our previous guest, he kind of started his own mission um, where he was um, banning, uh, kind of banding with the community. Send Chinatown Love. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think there's this one that's found by uh, Moon Lin Sai. She uh, runs uh, Welcome Co- to Chinatown. Oh, Welcome to Chinatown. She runs yeah. Kopi Tiam, and she started something with her partner, and no one right. is part of that as well. So a lot of people are doing this. So what you can essentially do is donate directly to them or volunteer for them. Um, I did a work where I would onboard restaurants. So I onboarded Nourish, which is an amazing Brooklyn restaurant owned by um, – it's black owned and they do healthy dishes inspired by Caribbean cuisine. And they ended up um, delivering 5,000 meals and they were able to hire back their cooks, hire back their um, staff. And it really kept them afloat during this time. So if, so there's so many great work that's happening off their plate is no longer, but we've completely transitioned our operations to World City Kitchen. So you can still donate there or you can just volunteer or even like post about it to be like, hey, guys, like I donated like 10 bucks, like a grain bowl to this organization. You know, can you guys do the same? And um we vetted World City Kitchen because I know some organizations are sketch, but we vetted them and they're good. So if you guys just have some money to give or time, I think those are organizations that would be great to help. No, that's what's mm-hmm. up. That's what's mm-hmm. up. But I think in addition to that, um, I think like education is really important. Yeah. Even in like, you know, uh, people that own these small businesses, like um, it, it, a lot of these like small businesses, they're owned by, um, especially in New York City, a lot of these restaurants you know, people that own them, they're like of immigrant descent and um, they don't always understand like how they can utilize technology to improve their standings. You know what I mean? Um, And I know it could be like daunting and challenging for a lot of people, but I think without those type of efforts, like there's no way for survival. So um, like for instance, right? Like Uber Eats, yo, they're like making more money than the actual Uber rides right now during this Mm -hmm. whole pandemic. You know, the second quarter earnings from Uber Eats came out and then they said that they made uh, $1.2 billion compared to regular Uber, which made 790 mil. You know what I mean? So they're going to donate that money? What are they going to do? No, I don't know about them donating and all that shit. What I'm saying is um, Uber Eats is now understanding that, okay, by the end of this year, a lot of these American restaurants are going to be gone. And physical experience is still not going to be as prevalent. So Mm -hmm. the culture of Gan Food Deliver is going to be a a, a market that has a huge growing potential, right? 
because Americans, they they were doing drive-throughs and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? And all these things that, you know, it sounds kind of archaic to Koreans. You know, like um, if you if you look at like they're way you know, ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're like twenty years ahead. Like in Korea, there's like multiple food delivery apps. Like there actually is an app called Yogio, and it's actually mm. spelled oh, yeah. Yo G I Yo. So yo Yogio, if you're trying to have a, an ambassador for the U.S., holla at me. You know what I mean? Hey. Um, but yeah, like so you know they have all these like different services that existed. Uh, um, for many years now and they coexist like completely fine with restaurants and um I, i'd say that that's essentially the future so uh whether it's seamless whether it's postmates whether it's uber eats wh- whatever these apps are they're gonna be very bullish in that space and uh you're gonna mm. see a lot more like underground kitchens popping up because there's not gonna have like you know physical restaurant uh experiences as much so, um, I mean, if anybody that's currently an owner of a small restaurant, um, trying to understand, okay, how can I like really invest into online? So when a person Googles peepimpop, like my shit could come up like the first thing that pops up in the East Village or something, you know what I mean? Like really investing SEO, uh, really trying to understand the game when it comes down to like these, uh, delivery apps that's going to be soon, uh, going to be essential for how you're going to make your, del- uh, your business survive you know mm-hmm. yeah so you gotta but get also, you gotta get adapted to the times you know yeah but i was also it's like uber eats takes a percentage right so if i'm taking on the flip side if i'm a consumer and i want to directly support these businesses and give as much money as i can to these businesses it's like how do i not use uber eats um so i can just give all my money directly to those restaurants yeah. obviously there's a different conversation around like the infrastructure of having a delivery service for a small restaurant, which is probably not viable, but I'm just saying as a consumer, it's like, okay, like maybe I'll eat, like, let me, let me learn about the restaurants in my neighborhood a little more. Like yeah. in the past, like you could take the train, you go to meet up your friends or whatever. It's like, okay, like what's a good spot around the corner that I like, let me get to know the neighborhood. Okay. Let me give those dollars to those places. Um, that's how I'm looking at it as well. Um, as long, along with like, Oh, like how can these small businesses get yeah. digitally? And even like just calling them yeah, instead one, of ordering 100%, it. One hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. But I also think like human beings are just gonna get lazy and more lazy. You yeah. know. I know, but like, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna believe in in, in people. So, you nah, know, you, you go you to your neighborhood man. spot. Human, okay. Human beings right, are JK. horrible. You know. Yeah. So, but one, I don't think one you that note though. On that note, though, um, like honestly, calling the restaurant directly instead of ordering it through Yelp or Caviar, because they'll really rack up their service fee. Because they might mm-hmm. still use like Grubhub as like a delivery, but then if you order from right. there, they like will charge you two, three dollars more. Right. And so it's like you know you want to pocket that for their tip instead of paying Caviar. Oh or yeah, one thousand percent. Right. One thousand so, percent. Yeah, yeah. So. One thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, if you if you could go and like pick it up yourself, yeah, for sure, I think that'll yeah. be that'll be the but best. But I don't know about these, too. these young people don't know how to call people anymore. So <laughs> these young people, <laughs> no, I people feel don't. like are all our listeners young? Are they? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, 
I don't know. Do our listeners like calling people? Do How they just old are you people? guys? You know, Put it's one of those chat. things. Like people don't. People can't even just call people anymore. They're like, "Hey, like, why'd you call me?" They're like, uh, "Oh yeah, that's I, true." I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. Can they order Calling's food? Too real. Can we order food now? Who knows? That's true. just a question. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to a lighter subject. <laughs> sure. Just okay. kidding. It says it Hiroshima <laughs> on your segment. <laughs> It's not light at all. It's not um, light at it's all. Quite it's quite serious. It's that good it's, heavy it's shit. Very, it's it's <laughs> a little too deep. I'll try to keep it keep it. Lay to it on us, Michael. We, we conver- need this conversation. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. So for this week's episode of Who the Fuck is Michael, I'm gonna mm-hmm. take you through um a personal family history and then also I think why Hiroshima and remembering the seventy fifth anniversary of of that and Nagasaki is important for the world in general. Um, I know I did a live on this last Thursday and I ran into a couple questions, thought about it a little more. Um, hopefully we can have a longer, uh, a continued conversation about that here with our, the rest of the hosts and with y'all. So um, for my in general, um, Hiroshima and the bombing of Hiroshima is important to me because my grandmother on my mom's side lived in Kude, which is a city 45 minutes away. But she has a story about that day where mm. she was actually scheduled to go into town. She was taking a bus directly into Hiroshima that night, that morning, um, really early in the morning. And the bus got a flat tire like halfway there. Um, and the bus driver got out and they, everyone got out and they were trying to fix the spare, but they didn't have a spare. So they had to wait for another bus. This is the summer in Japan. It's August. It's super hot. It's like 100 degrees. Um, and the bus driver's like, you could wait around for another bus or you could go home and just whatever. And she's like, it's, it's too hot. I'm going to go home. So she walked home instead. And then about like an hour later, the bomb dropped. So there's this whole oh story God. in our family. What my mom talks about is like, I could, like, we might not be here if that, that bus didn't have a flat tire. Right. So that's how close I, that story was. And also my grandfather on my mom's side was a chief officer for the atomic bomb commission, which is an American institution that went in and to study radiation of the Japanese people, which is a very controversial thing about people being Guinea pigs for radiation mm-hmm. tests. Right. Um, so I have a lot of family history connected to that space. And, you know, I was thinking in terms of, you know, this is a, a thing that just like shares like, literally like dropping there's no other time in history no anyone's dropped a nuclear weapon on another set of people ever right and with the 75th anniversary it's like why is that still important like and you know questions about like especially in the asian context is like well imperial japan was a very like bad nation in terms of like the rest how they treated the rest of the world or like china or korea or indonesia or like whatever right so um Maybe there was like something that creeped in and was like, oh, did they deserve that? Which I don't think that's a valid argument at all because I think anything horrendous to people should never happen, whether that's like Nanjing or whether that's Hiroshima, whether that's the Trail of Tears for the Cherokee, whether it's American slavery, like all these things that happened are just bad. And I just want to level in terms of like why these things are important to remember, right? Because by remembering these things, we try not to let those things happen again, right? Especially in the Japanese American community, it's like we were interned in camps. So when we see children at the border in cages, like Tsuru for Solidarity comes out and is like, no, we can't have this and advocates for these people to be released, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, so that's like why it's important. And I just want to like, you know, the 75th anniversary was last week, but I just want to, you know, hopefully people can take time to kind of remember like nuclear weapons are like still alive and well. And with the proliferation of them, there's weapons out there that are 10, a thousand times stronger than Hiroshima. Right. And they, the U.S. actually used that. There's a place in the Pacific Ocean called the Marshall Islands where the U.S. actually tested these things for 12 years after during the Cold War. They dropped mm-hmm. seven, they dropped 67 nuclear bombs in the Marshall Islands. And the entire place is like radiated with nuclear energy and it's really bad. But yeah. Um, and they dropped a bomb that was a thousand times a hydrogen bomb. Um, so it's like, there is a quote that's like, no one wins a nuclear war, right? So just want to like, that's why we celebrate this every year. Like we need to make sure that nuclear weapons aren't used on people again, because that's just the end of humanity, basically. Mm-hmm. Not to take it that, like, no, I'm taking it that far, but it yeah, is. that's, that, you know, it, it really is. So it's like, this is why it's important that we need to talk about this, I think, every year and yeah. make sure that we're like in a place of that. But it's like, I'm curious about how you, how you both of you react to it, because being Korean and coming from Korean families, like you obviously have a different connection with like that time of Japan and like what happened. And I was kind of curious about like how you think about Hiroshima and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I, I guess like, and on the flip side, like if I ask the question, like, okay, if um, I guess like, what what uh uh the argument from the U.S. is like, yo, if we didn't drop the bomb, would Japan have decided to uh you know give up? There's uh there's actually so there are people that have gone back and forth on that, and I think the bombing like they could have they could also just bombed built like bombed cities and strategic points without using nuclear bombs, right? They could just bomb like they're already doing that to Tokyo. But there's another um, thought that's out there in the academic world where the bomb was actually developed and they Truman wanted to use it because they knew with Russia coming into the space, and it was like our battle between the US and Russia about who gets nuclear power, like the US wanted to posture themselves as like people that have the bomb and are ready to use it mm-hmm. in the sense of like they're looking to the Cold War already by the end of the World War II, be like... Russia, you better be careful because we will drop that shit on you too. Like, look what happened in Hiroshima. So I've read that and I, I, I don't know, thinking of like U.S. diplomacy, I'm like, this might be a little sprinkle of truth in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's hard because the only time I was exposed to it was like eighth grade curriculum, U.S. history. And you have like maybe like three pages about it. And you have a discussion about it. And I remember feeling like when my teacher explained like a nuclear bomb to me and he was like, honestly, this could happen at any moment and we'd be dust. Like, right. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this exists like out in the world. And it's only being like dormant because of politics and diplomacy and like tensions. Right. It's like such a scary thought. And I was pretty anxious about it for like a couple of days, which is like, what if there's a nuclear bomb that like drops on us? And, you know, and it's just hard to comprehend when you don't have like somebody with a personal story. Or it just feels like it's something that happened eons away. It has nothing to do with you when 
when it's like history is repeating itself, even like things that happened in Beirut, like the other week, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, it happens and it's people's lives. Like 4,000 people were injured, like people are missing and how do you rebuild from there? And yeah, it's like a really hard question, Michael, because it's like, how do you develop that empathy? And like, you know, how do you think about it in a healthy way and reflect when you feel like it's so far from you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, when I was in Japan, like I went to like an exhibition that kind of like showed all the survivors from uh, Hiroshima, uh, like it was like a photo exhibition. And I definitely felt for like, you know, like the people that had to suffer, like just regular uh, people of Japan that had to suffer as a consequences of mm-hmm. political moves. You know what I mean? Like these people had nothing to do with like mm-hmm. what the imperial government wanted to do to go out there and conquer the rest of Asia, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, these were just regular, like, citizens, hardworking people, farmers, uh, laborers that essentially got affected by that. So I definitely felt for them. Um, Now, in terms of, like, could the war have ended uh, by taking a more peaceful measure? I, I, you know, I don't have an answer for that because... The, the fact is for, at least for South Korea, like, of course, the U.S. infiltrated South Korea and made South Korea essentially into a, a economic colony of theirs, you know, right after uh, World War II occurred and Russia and U.S. essentially divided that country into two because of their own political initiatives. Uh, the fact is, like, as soon as the bombs dropped, you know, uh, Korea was no longer a imperial colony of Japan, you know? So, uh, you know, right. it's, 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 it's something it's hard. that... Hindsight yeah, it's, 2020. It's, 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 yeah, so it's, it's something that, like, I can't really just openly say, like, yo, like, you know, because as a Korean person, like, I definitely felt like, yo, like, that should definitely help my motherland to liberate itself from Japanese rule, which was harsh, which was inhumane, you know, but that bomb dropped on those two cities, that in itself was also inhumane. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to think about. Yeah. Right. One yeah. Um, one comment from the chat, Soon Gino says, switch my, mm-hmm, switch my stance after your stream, Michael, read into that flex on Soviet Russia. Still a conflicting thought for sure, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had a conversation during my live stream. So, yeah, it's still, like, as Jakey said, it's, like, a very contentious thing, I think, in terms of... I think it's easy to be enraged if you're a Japanese person, but trying to think of, like, a larger, like, sociopolitical Asia perspective is hard because there's Asia itself, or Japan itself, you know, is was an imperial power at that time. And I was trying to think about, like, education, what that means, right? It's like, I was like, well, does Japan teach it in schools? And apparently it's, like, a mixed bag review um, if you if you live in Hiroshima, it's like you get taken to that, and you're like you're you're shown that like that period of time, and you have that um, education. But then a lot of the Ministry of Education is very conservative in the way they kind of tell the story of that mm-hmm. of the war. Because I think in in Asian countries, right, there's like an idea of shame or Japan. Let's just localize it more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's like, oh, like shame in terms of like, oh, look what we were back then or like what happened. It was like a bad mark on us. So we like, we don't want to talk about those things. And I think I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, we should talk about those. But then I think about America too, right? Like America never wants to talk about slavery or Indian removal or like the bad stuff America has done. So I think like a lot of like nation states and countries like just don't want to talk about dark pasts in ways because it hurts their view of like being like this almighty state that does no wrong. Um, oh yeah, so one thousand like, percent. Yeah. So it's like Ash for education. Just... Yeah, it's it's bad in that way. So it's like, what does it take? Like. I would love education to be able to like still like open people's minds up to like make those decisions. Like I don't, it's, it's weird because it's like, Oh, these people believe that like, if we give them information, it's, well, I guess, yeah. If you give them all the information, they might think a different way and go against the nation state, obviously. But it's like, okay, like what are you trying to hide at the same time? Right. So like, well, I, what in order for like? you to withhold a nation, you need to kind of make them feel proudful and create pride and pride is something that is, uh, uh, is, is manufactured, man. You know, right. like in South Korea, like, uh, they make this admirable Admiral Isun Shin who uh, fought against the Japanese bravely with a few turtle boats, you know, that's kind of like, he's celebrated and mythified as this, uh, you know, hero that everybody should champion. But, you know, there's always been reports like, Cause you know, South that's, that's something that, uh, you know, a lot of people say historic historians say like, yo, that's somebody that was really mythified by South Korean government because they needed a hero from that era. But like people from North Korea, they're like, yo, he was an admirable, he did his thing, but it's like, why, why are we making him like the fucking our John of Arc and shit? You know what I mean? Like let's relax, you know? So everything is all like maneuvered, man, you know? So Right. I, I would say the same thing about Japan. Like, yo, why why is like Tokugawa Ieyasu like so celebrated and like Nobunaga so celebrated? Like, why are all these people celebrated when they were exactly. just fucking warmongering lords that just wanted a piece of the pie? You know what I mean? Like, they're celebrated as heroes. So you, yeah. need, you need that. You need that to create pride. You need that to, uh, you, you need to put Washington in the dollar bill to remind people that this guy was the founding father. But it was a fucking slave owner, you know? So, right. Yep. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, but on that note, though, um, uh, let's, you know, like, I definitely feel like we kind of took this topic on a, on a deeper end. A <laughs> yeah. Dive, you know what I mean? Um, we talk about, we talked about everything from small businesses to talking about money to talking about Hiroshima. Hiroshima. How was the proper Japanese pronunciation? Hiroshima. Or is it Hiroshima? Hiroshima. Hiroshima. Okay. Yes. Hiroshima. All right. All right. So with that said, um, I think it's time for us to give a few shout outs to the week. Uh, mm -hmm. Michael, do you want to kick it off? Yeah. Um, I want to talk about a Filipino website that's tracking the death of Filipino healthcare workers. It's it's, it's dark again, but I just want to bring up the fact that dark, Michael. No, <laughs> Damn, no, but I, I right, like, with you, man, it's too much rain, kid. It's too much, too much rain. rain, man. Too much. I just feel for the. I just feel for the people, right? Um, but Filipino nurses are out on the front lines, right? Like COVID's not done yet. Filipino nurses are overrepresented. There's about mm -hmm. hundred and fifty thousand Filipino nurses um, in the U.S. It's about four percent of new four percent of 
nurses within the U.S., but it's overrepresented because the overall population of Filipinos in the U.S. is about 1.2%, if I'm correct. That's how I did the math. We'll see. Um, but in terms of New York City itself, 34% of Filipinos are, are, are healthcare workers. Like, if wow. you just, that's crazy, right? So, um, it's and just like 30%, 40% of them are B boys. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, so, um, I, if I don't know if I'm going to butcher this name, but, um, Ken Lugan butcher is, it. butcher it. Ken Lugan is a, a website that is tracking, um, the deaths of Filipino healthcare workers. And it's, it's, imp I think it's right. It's important to do these things because it humanizes these people. You're not just like a number or anything. It's like, these are people that have families and they have stories. So we should celebrate who they are. Um, so shout out to them for doing that. Um, one other stat I found staggering is the United States has more than double the deaths of Filipino health workers, um, more than in the Philippines itself. Mm. What? That's fucking. It was on a. It was like on pure, NPR. Is it so it must be percentages real. or figures, like full figures. Figures. It's a full figures. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, there's crazy. already more Filipinos living outside of the Philippines than there are in the Philippines, mm -hmm. right? So it's like that stat as well. But just like right. talking about like, yo, like Filipino healthcare workers are on the front lines. So like, shout out to them for continuing to like really put in the effort and you know putting their lives online. Shout out to all craziness. the queers. You know what I mean? Shout out to all the Filipinos out there in Woodside, Jersey City. You know what I mean? Yo, I love Filipino culture. I know I know I said this before. At one point in my life I wanted to be Filipino. You know what I mean? Um I wanted to, Febo, wanted Febo. to dance. You know what I mean? B boy break it down. Drink mm -hmm. a whole lot of hollow hollow. Uh, yes. yeah man Jakey, what do you got out shout out to all the Filipino workers and working in the front line yo so um on a lighter note uh, I wanted to give a shout out today to uh this dessert right here this is called the Turkish delight mm. you know what I mean Turkish delight so I'm gonna Yum. open this one up real quick I know I've been eating it throughout the whole podcast so I'm gonna pop this open so you, you crack this joint open and it got all this white powder. Um, <laughs> I don't want to let the powder cool, cool. Blow, blow away. So I'm going to just kind of give you all a little close-up, zoom-up situation Sweet. real quick. Peep the okay. details real quick. All right. Peep so the details. Peep the details. And while I'm going to do that, I'm going to make sure I take a bite in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Mm, righteousness. <laughs> so, yo. Tell us about the snack. This thing is called locum. I don't know if I said that correctly, but it's basically a confection mm -hmm. made with gel or I guess like sugar or like starch. You know what I mean? So the details of it, it kind of has like a jelly-like texture, but it's mm -hmm. obviously not like artificially created like on some Haribo type shit. Nah. You know? tastes real natural and it's like dusted off with like powder sugar and then the in internal details include like the one that i got right now this is um just has hazelnut in it so you already know it has that uh has that nutty flavor pause um it's bound by gel and um oftentimes they kind of serve this with like you know chopped dates pistachio 
and um, to get the color in different formation. Sometimes, you know, they flavor this with rose water, lemon, you know, all types of goodness. So, uh, you know, it's like commonly found. I think the origin of it is from Persia. You know what I mean? So that's like my modern day, uh, you know, like Ottoman Empire. I can't even say is like, yeah, just one particular. Modern day Turkey, like, Turkish delights, Turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. You know, but like it's like a big region. You know what I mean? The Ottomans definitely had a, a big chunk of land over there. Um, on, you know, only about a hundred years ago. So yeah, but it originated from Turkey, but, um, I think it's like enjoyed in a lot of, uh, countries from that region from like, you know, Greece to Bulgaria, Romania, and all those other places. So where do do people find this? Um, if you hit up any of these, like, I guess, I guess more like Middle Eastern, you know, Central European supermarkets, you could get this. Um, I love them personally. I first got put on to these when I was in high school because, um, I had a homie who was of Turkish descent. He put me on to this shit. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of craving it. And I went to the supermarket on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn called Sahadi's. Um, it's like right by Cobble Hill. And, um, I saw these shits over there. I was like, yo, I'm going to pick this up. Nice. It goes really well with tea. Mm, yeah, I love um, Turkish delight. Like a, like a lot, a lot of those joints that uh, originates from that area. So, you know, I just I'm out here, man. You know, you know, opening up your culinary mind states. So um, enjoy yourself, man. This could Especially be a if you live in a metropolitan. If you live Thank in you, a area, yes. you know, there's a whole lot of uh, different types of confections and sweets out there. So enjoy yourself. Yeah, don't be afraid to try right. something new. Thank you, JK. Civilized. Jojo, yeah, what do you got this week? Nice and sweet. Um, so on the topic of food, I wanted to shout out Slanted. Jojo. Oh, can't you can't hear me? Hello? Can you? I could hear Jojo. I don't think you can hear Jojo, Michael. Okay. Okay. Well, let me know, Jojo. Just let the people know. All right. Can, can the people hear me in yeah, the yeah. chat? Yeah, yeah. Well, I could hear you. Yeah, we hear you clearly, Hello. loud and clear. Okay, well, you're stuck with me, guys. Um, so um, I wanted to shout out Slanted. Uh, we love Slanted. We had Christy Mack, who is the co-founder on um, our podcast. And they're actually coming out with a community cookbook. So I think the submissions have closed, but I really love the idea. And I just wanted to shout it out. They basically compiled um, a lot of recipes from the community. Um you know, a lot of us are cooking more nowadays, you know, Jakey knows, and we're, I'm calling my mom being like, wait, how do I do this? What, what, what percentage do I use? And they just thought it would be really cute to have a community uh, based cookbook. So everyone submitted a recipe. Um, I really love this idea. And I kind of want to start doing it for myself. So just wanted to shout it out. I think they're going to publish very soon. Um, and when it comes out, I just want to support them and let them know that, we're cheering them on and we support their efforts. So that's my quick shout out. That's what's up. That's what's up. Big that's ups dope. to Slanted. Mm-hmm. Big ups to everybody that's been tuning yes. in. Big ups to the Filipino nurses. And big ups to all ethnic delights, ethnic cuisines, Insert ethnic delight. sweets. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that exist in New York City. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah. Let's so um, I mean, let's should we do a little uh, QA time with the viewers? Um, what, what are some questions got, that we, we got 10 minutes, questions. five minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Any any questions from the viewers? We have sixteen deep. Mm -hmm. 16, sixteen deep who stuck around with us and right now. Well, I mean, okay. question from last week. Question from last week was if you were a comic book character or camp mm -hmm. or like an anime, like who would you be? Right? Was that one of okay. them? Okay, I know which one. Anyone have an answer? Okay, there's too okay. many to choose, but I don't know if anyone watched Card Captor Sakura when they were young. Mm, I know about it. Okay. Yeah, I so know it's about like it. A well, so it's like Sailor Moon, except it was like people who watch Sailor Moon and people who would love that kind of stuff would also love Cardcaptor Sakura. She's like this 13-year-old um, super savvy girl who has like powers, has like a wand and like summons like these mythical beasts using like cards. And they were so cool. And I used to be obsessed with her because she had like short hair. She was like a tomboy. She like rollerbladed. Yes, Winton, that is it. Card Captain Sakura. So shouts, shouts to that. I would draw that manga all the time. So, nice. what about you guys? Oh, wow. Okay. I see. Okay. Um, right. When I was younger, I wanted to be, uh, uh, I wanted to, you know, like I think a lot of young men around my age, they kind of wanted to be like Goku oh, from yeah. Dragon Ball. But then, like, when I turned like a little older, I was like, yo, he was kind of a deadbeat father. <laughs> You know, <laughs> my man didn't have a job. You know, all he did was fucking train to fight aliens and shit. And then he kept getting killed and he just was not a good person, man. Like, if you think about it, he was a selfish meathead that just wanted to fight all the time. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I was like, yo, this guy is horrible. Is he mm. a horrible father figure? And like, and so I was like, you know what? I want to be the. Uh, I want to be Bulma's dad. You know what I mean, Bulma's dad. You know what I'm saying. So uh, I don't know if uh, Winton. I don't know if you could pull him up. I don't even know if he has a name. Uh, yeah, he's like the inventor. Yeah, yeah. He was the inventor, and his wife was banging like Shorty was high. I, I remember thinking <laughs> like, how rich. did Bulma like? How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. He was he was mad rich, and he fucking had an illest crib. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had like a crib oh that had like an ill garden, oh, and fucking, you know, dinosaurs and all that shit. And yo, like, look at Shorty, yo. Shorty always smiling and she was, she was cute. You know what I'm saying? Oh my so, God. You know, if, if he was smashing that, I was like, yo. And he's a scientist <laughs> and he fucking invented the capsule pill oh, that pretty much could take mm. our humanity, our current world into another atmosphere. Yo, no and doubt. he was really I nice. Was like, yo, I'm <laughs> So that's 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 one anime character that I want to be. Oh my god! Fuck being. Goku. All right, what about you, Michael? Um, I really, I'll just go with the Avatar. Last Airbender. But yeah, I really like Uncle, Uncle Iroh. Iroh. I'm not an uncle in any way possible. Oh yeah. But the man has so some wise. real knowledge yeah. about life. He just has been mm -hmm. through so much. You know, he's been like fought through battles, Dragon of the West, but at the end of the day, he just, he sees the bigger mm -hmm. picture, you know, with the White Lotus. Um, so, and just guides young Zuko through all his emotional sad boy phases until he finds his true destiny. Mm -hmm. He's got to worry, sad he's got to wait on his words, you know? <laughs> I just want to just like sip tea and just, I want to have a tea oh, shop wow. and just very, very on um, like brand. You know? Yes. Okay, so while yes, we were going off about, you know, our favorite manga character, someone asked a question. Work Sleeve says, what's the situation with Canal Street Radio? Is it closed indefinitely? 
Uh, I, I would say, I mean, I think I know a little bit more than the next mm-hmm. man, but uh, right now, like uh, a lot of retail operations are on hold, right? So uh, I think, you know, Canal Street Radio being part of the retail segment mm-hmm. of that business um, is temporarily on hold. Um, I don't know if it's going to be permanently shut down. That's, I don't have the jurisdiction or the know-how to talk about that, but at least for now, it's uh, it's on hold until further yeah. notice. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's the answer for yeah. work sleeve, you little eager beaver. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, even if you can't um, see them in person, I our friends at Listening Party are still putting out shows. I know Asian Not Asian are amazing friends. They're also pivoting to video um, mm. and a couple of others. So one, I did want to shout out um, a review that Fumi gave us because um, we have this letter to the editor section where we shout out some of the reviews. So guys, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, any where, where else can we get reviews, Michael? <laughs> is that is that kind of it? Or, Apple yeah, Podcasts. Follow us. Review us on Apple. Yes. Follow us. No, subscribe Drive. on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. You have to leave a review yes, to subscribe. Yes, yes. I ain't telling you to just, you just, just mm-hmm. review it. Five stars. Five you stars, already know what yes. to do. Um, um, Spotify, just follow us. But yeah, you want to, what, what was the um, review? And Instagram, DM us, follow us, comment, all that jazz. Yeah. But Fumi said, yes, this yes. pod is seriously great. Am I just saying that because I was on the show as a guest? Yes. Can't deny JoJo and Jakey's chemistry. <laughs> Mostly about him, but Shout thank out. you for the chemistry. Yes. <laughs> I think we're Shout we're adding another me. ingredient, aka Michael, to improve our chemistry. So um, I think it's yes. working. But yes. you know, I'm running out of things yeah, to say, you guys. Should we just kinda wait, actually, Donnie Kwok, Chinatown market owner is Donnie neither Chinese two from Chinatown. Problematic? from chinatown problematic okay um is that a question mr donnie, See, donnie always or, like there's, softens there's, the last 10 minutes at the last moment or maybe maybe this could be an op-ed that you could write about okay. as the yes of complex should, i don't know go find out but uh now nah, uh, regard, regarding that topic um you know like the owner mike sherman uh he's a friend um you know he uh i think when he was put on uh uh, when he when he was asked like yo you you're a white guy like well, why do you have a, a brand called Chinatown Market and you know you're being very profitable with it like you know how are you gonna explain yourself and his defense was yo like you know like I'm not trying to um, specifically talk about Chinatown but it's really like bootleg culture that exists on Canal Street and that was kind of like what he wanted to make the brand out of like paying homage to the bootleg culture that is very prevalent in canal street now do i think um you know it's it's problematic that he's a white guy that owns a brand called chinatown market uh i wouldn't say it's problematic i do think that you know he you know as as a brand that has that name to it yeah i think i think he could do more with people within chinatown communities or chinatowns across the u.s uh so yeah i think that's pretty much my thought on it so mm-hmm. you know i hope that answered the question but uh yeah but with that said um i want to thank everybody for uh tuning in it's it's another week of twitch situation for 6.99 per pound uh we hope everybody enjoyed it make sure you click the follow 
Um, so next time you get a notification where we're about to set this off. Um, Jojo, I know yeah. you already shouted us out on all the social media platforms, but you want to just remind everybody of again? Of course. So let's just keep the conversation going on social media. Do you guys like this Twitch format? I, I'm like, I still don't know what Twitch is. I, I, it's really hard for me. So comment, let us know, give us feedback. We've been putting out tons of new stuff like videos and we're experimenting. So we want to hear your thoughts. Um, follow us obviously at 699 per pound. Jakey is at Jakey Cho, Google it. And Michael is at Mad Names and me at Jojo Parquet. Um, I've been laying low lately because CNN is putting a ban on all political views. So it might not be as spicy as it should be, but you should still follow me and we can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Michael. CNN. CNN. Channel 10. Channel 10. Yes, 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 yes. But um, thank you for tuning in. There will be a solo stream this Thursday. We don't know who it's going to be. You're just going to have to find out. So be tuned in on social. This is why you got to follow us on social, right? You get all yes, the info there. So go on go on Instagram, type in 699 per pound right now. I know you're all like sitting in front of your computers or whatever you're all doing. Um, Let me do that on right the now. app just, you know, just scoot over. Just do it. Jojo is even isn't isn't even following us. It's sad. <laughs> okay. Well, you learn sometime. You learn this way. Um, how many years has it been? We, we won't ask that question. Um, but all of us will be back online on Monday. Same place, same time. So see you soon. Um, can, you can subscribe to us on Twitch. Um, we're still working on emotes for y'all. Some custom emojis. But um, thank you for everyone that's subscribed already. I think we have like eight people. So like Hugh, Big Girl Voice, Valdic, Deek, Sanjino, Donnie Kwan, mm. Simone. Hey. Sean, Sean, Sean Wise one, B Leaf Burgers. Um, thank you for everyone that's already subscribed to us, right? Like, if you doubt. subscribe, if you have Amazon Prime, you can gift us your Amazon Prime subscription, and that's free on you. That's just Jeff Bezos money. Um, they still keep 50%, so you know it is what it is, but we'll take the other 50% in our pockets. So um, we would appreciate if you can support us. You know, we do this show independently with a great group of people yes. that just, we don't want to just supply you with some great information every week and try to continue to create conversations that we hope um, you carry with the people closest to you um, just to raise the consciousness of the United States of America or the world. I don't know what we're doing here. That's a little preachy. But anyway, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. See y'all next Monday. Um, tune in for the solo stream on Thursday. Peace. I uh, no doubt. Peace, peace, peace. Bong, bong. Hey, yo, it's 6.99 per pound.